here today, I, I want to preach the message to you called Without Measure. Without Measure. Last week was Easter. It was amazing. Incredible. We celebrated the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And, and I believe that all of Scripture points to that. All of Scripture points to because of Jesus, we now have access to God. We now have access to the Father. All of Scripture is what we call Christocentric. Everything is about Jesus. The Old Testament is nothing but types and shadows about Jesus. And so when we go to Scripture and we read these stories, they're about Jesus. Moses leading the people through the Red Sea. Jesus. Joshua walking around the walls of Jericho. Jesus. The every, every, just about every story you find, Jesus is at the very center of it. It's all Christocentric. And, and, and when Jesus came and he stood before these people who had those stories memorized, who had those verses memorized, they, they missed him. And Jesus said in John 5, you search these scriptures because you think in them you find life. But they are, these are they that testify of me. And I have come to bring you life. And, and what I want to encourage you this morning is like, I think sometimes it's really easy that we have a relationship with this and not with him. Now, I, this is amazing. This is the word of God. This is the Bible. And it's absolutely incredible. It's God's revelation to us. But I'm not meant to have a relationship with this. I'm meant to have a relationship with him. And it's through my relationship with him that this comes alive, that this actually sharpens me. But this by itself, see, like, I, I, I think oftentimes we, we hear like little cute little tweetable catchphrases like, well, I love uh, uh, Jesus came for a relationship, but not for a religion. False. He came for both. We, we live in a religion. We live in Christianity. Religion is just a way of life. It, it, now, but I will say it is, a, it is a religion that is founded on a relationship. It got quiet. Y'all, I know y'all like those videos, but we hate religion. We hate the spirit of religion. We hate the spirit of religion that says you have to do all of these things to get to God because that's old covenant. That is legalism. That is demonic. That has passed away. But now that I follow Jesus, my life is formed in such a way that glorifies him. That is a religion. So it's religion and relationship. See, and you, you've got to have both. Like theology and doctrine are important. Theology and doctrine are important because John chapter one says Jesus is the word. He's the word that proceedeth out of the Father's mouth. He's everything that God has to say about himself. Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the word of God. But, you, but oftentimes, you, if you don't know doctrine, you don't know theology, you don't know the Bible, you separate the word from his words. And that's dangerous. So if you have, oftentimes I see people who, who chase just relationship and they cast the Bible aside, you may be, you may be worshiping an idol. You may not be worshiping the, the savior of the world. You might be worshiping him formed in your image. Okay? But also I see people get so caught up in the doctrine and theology part that their, their relationship with God is absence of the experience of it. God wants us to experience him. He wants us to know him, not just know about him. And so, and, and, and so what's dangerous oftentimes is if we get caught up in just the doctrine and theology part, we get very, very, very legalistic. But if we get caught up in the other part where it's just experience, it's just encounter, it's just the goosebump, oftentimes we get caught up in lawlessness. And it's not lawlessness or legalism, it's holiness. And when I live in relationship with him, I love the law of God. When, I get, when I'm in relationship with him and I, I want to know what he says because I want to live the life that he has for me. I love this. I love the Bible. But we've got to be careful that we don't become so pharisaical and that we just, have a rela that we just know about him and we don't actually know him. And so I, I want to tell you, tell you this morning that the, the gospel is that we, obviously we were sinners. We were far from God. Jesus came, lived a life, showed us what God actually looks like showed us how to live our life. Then he went to the cross, on the cross, power of sin, darkness, broken, forever, forever. We no longer have to live bound by sin. We no longer have to live bound by guilt. We no longer have to live bound by shame. We no longer live bound by the enemy. We can actually walk in freedom, amen? amen. Beautiful thing. Then Jesus got up three days later and we were when we get saved, when we came out of that water, we're resurrected with him. Jesus came to restore relationship 
between us and God. When that relationship, he wants to encounter us. And this morning, what I want to talk to you about is what Ms. Hetty's seminars are about, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is how we encounter God here on earth. The good news didn't stop when Jesus walked out of the grave because he said this, it is to your advantage that I go because if I don't go, he won't come. Who's he? The Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is a he, it's not an it. Sometimes we worship Father, Son, Holy Bible. When it says in the beginning was the word, it wasn't talking about a 1611 King James Version only Bible. It's talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We worship Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit now here is God on earth. Why did Jesus say that it was to our advantage that he leave? Because he no longer wanted to walk next to us, he wanted to be in us. And when we get saved, when we receive salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and makes us his temple. It's a beautiful thing. It is the gospel, friend, that you have been washed and forgiven by the blood, and now you are a clean temple. He exchanged your sin for his righteousness, so now you can be a temple of God, and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit is heaven on earth. Eternal life is this, Jesus says in John 17, to know the Son whom the Father sent. And so your eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts right now. It starts right now. Come on. He's not saving all the good stuff for when you die and go to heaven. Right now, you can have joy that is crazy amounts of joy. A peace that passes all understanding. Despite the circumstances, despite what's going on around you, you can have joy. Despite persecution and suffering and temptation and storms and all of, despite all of that, you can have a peace that passes all understanding. If you don't believe me, go read Fox's Book of Martyrs. We don't even know what suffering is. We don't even know what persecution is oftentimes. Those people knew what it was. Those people were so full of the Holy Ghost. Do what you, do what you want with this body because I'm just going to get a new one. When this body dies, we win. When, it, when this body dies, we win. I get a new one. Come on. And I get to be with him forever. Punch the devil in the face with that one. Sucker. Come on. So I, w- I want to look at something this morning because I, I, I really want to, I hear people say a lot of times like, well, I, wanna, I want more of God. I want to experience God. I want to feel God. I want to know that he's real. I want to see him move in power. and power. And all of that is available through the Holy Spirit that he gives without measure. John the Baptist said in John chapter three that he gives the spirit without limit. He gives it without measure. And so you actually can experience more and 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 more of him forever. He's infinite. Ephesians says that we're going to learn about the graces of our God for the ages, to, the ages, plural, to come. Why do you live forever? Because it takes forever to get to know him. He's not finite like we are. He's infinite. And he wants to continue to pour his spirit into us. He wants to continue to pour his spirit into us. And I want to show you this morning how you can experience God how you can encounter God, how you can hear the voice of God, how you can know God. So open your Bibles or pull out your cellular devices and open that Bible app. Colton Jeans, uh, he's, not, he's out of town this morning, but he's usually the one drumming back there. He shared a message at our CMA chapel this week and he had all the kids pull out their phones and look at our screen time and how much time they spent on Instagram and how much time they spent in their Bible app and it was uh, convicting. So, and it probably would be convicting for us as adults as well, how much time we spend on Facebook and how much time we spend in the word, <laughs> amen. So uh, go to 2 Kings chapter four. When we get, so we just talked about all the Bible being Christocentric, so when we go to Scripture, who are we looking for? Jesus. Jesus. All right, some of y'all passed. Let, we're going to read verses 1 through 7, and then I'm going to teach on it. It says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what what do you have in your house? 
Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors, then go into your house with your son, shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting aside each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then, and then the oil stopped flowing. And then the oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God, Elisha, what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Okay, all of the Bible is Christocentric. We find Jesus in every story. So I want to do some types and shadows here real quick as we dive into this. Elisha is the father, God. Elisha is the father. The dead husband is Jesus. And we are the widow. Because she comes to Elisha based on the merit of her husband. My husband who served you is now dead. Okay? We are, I just talked about this, we are able to come to the Father because of what Jesus did. Amen? It's a simple gospel. We're able to come to the Father based on the merit of the Son because Jesus died, paid our debt. We can come in the name of Jesus. The oil in the story is the Holy Spirit. The oil is the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to see today how can we experience God? How can we experience breakthrough? How can we experience transformation? How can we experience what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.20, that the kingdom of God is a matter of power, not a matter of talk. I love in verse two, Elisha looks at her and says, uh, what can I do to help you? Duh, I just told you my story, right? She just told him what happened. And he says, what can I do to help you? What do you have? <laughs> What do you have? Like, seriously, bro, like that seems kind of heartless. This woman's like in hell on earth. Her husband's dead. Her two sons are about to become slaves. And you say, what, what, can, what can I do for you? What do you have in your house? Faith always requires participation. It always requires something on our part. It's just the way that God designed it. And he designed it this way so that we wouldn't be as spoiled kids. He's, he's not our genie. Our wish is not his command. And so oftentimes when we come to him with a problem, his first question is, what do you have? What do you have? And oftentimes I see people who don't experience breakthrough because they refuse to give more of themselves. They refuse to give what they have. They refuse to give. You, you want more of God. You need breakthrough. He always begins with, what do you have? Because faith requires participation. Faith requires our obedience. And you'll be hard-pressed to find a miracle or breakthrough in this Bible, apart from creation, that didn't involve obedience, that didn't involve a participation on our part. He wants to bring us into breakthrough, but he does that by way of us obeying. And oftentimes we obey in the natural and then he follows through with the supernatural. He follows through with the supernatural. She replies, nothing, but I do have a jar of oil. So is it something or is it nothing? Because she says nothing and then it's something. So do you have nothing or do you have something? She says nothing, but a little jar of olive oil. It wasn't even enough to cook with. It was probably anointing oil. That's all that she has. And I think oftentimes we think, I don't have anything to offer God. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a singer. I, play, I can't play guitar like Brandon. I can't make videos like Noah. I'm an introvert. I can't be a greeter at the door. I don't know how to make coffee. I can't run sound. I... And I think oftentimes we think, well, I'm not gifted or I'm not talented or I don't have whatever. God is just looking for you and what you have. And he doesn't want you to live in comparison to what other people have. And so what do you have? Nothing or a jar of oil. And I want everybody in this room to look at me and understand this. You all have a jar of oil. Every single one of us has a jar of oil. Why? Because if you're in, you're in this building and you're a believer, I'm talking to believers, I'm talking to children of God, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the, ed, from the dead. Okay, and, and listen, don't ever discount what you have because God can multiply it into more than enough. 
Well, I don't have anything except these kids. I don't have anything. I only got whatever in my bank account. I'm in all this debt. I'm just trying to live in paycheck to paycheck. Do you have nothing or do you have something? You've got a jar of oil. You've got you. You've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Don't discount what God can do when you turn your life over to him. I think about the boy with five loaves and two fish. Fed 5,000 men, not including women and children. So 25,000 people. Fed the multitudes with five loaves and two fish. And there was 12 baskets left over. Not little tithe and offering baskets, like baskets big enough that I could get inside of. Twelve left over from five loaves and two fish. Some fish and chips. Why didn't he just provide just the right amount for everybody? Because he always provides more than enough. We just have to act in obedience with what we've got. I think about when Jesus turned water into wine. Mary comes to him and says, they're almost out of wine. It would have been very shameful for the host to run out of wine. And so he goes to the six 30-gallon ceremonial cleansing jars and he turns them into wine six 30 gallon containers he makes 180 gallons of wine my goodness that's a lot they were having a party turn up jesus 100 do they need 180 gallons no but he always provides more than enough we just have to provide what we have and it was the best wine. it was the best wine. Usually they drink the best wine at the beginning of the wedding celebration. They said, you've saved it till the end. Why was it better than everything else? Because he always saves the best for last. Liz, can I stir up your faith a little bit in here? He always saves the best for last. Your testimony is not over. Your story isn't over. Your story isn't over. Well, I've been praying for breakthrough and I haven't seen it. I've been praying for breakthrough and I haven't seen it. I've been praying for breakthrough and I haven't. Just give him a minute. Trust. Trust with what you have. Continue to turn yourself over to him and trust that he's going to come through. Well, I've been praying for healing and I haven't received it yet. Well, today is your day. Today is your day. When you wake up tomorrow, today, well, my prodigal hasn't come home yet and I've been praying for years. Well, tomorrow is the day. Are you on your porch watching and waiting? Come on. Breakthrough. I, think, I often think breakthrough is like right around the corner, like where we give up. Today is your day. He always saves the best for last. Well, why is it taking so long? Because this story is going to turn out so much better if you'll trust him. It's going to turn out so much better if you'll trust him. Okay? Well, all I've got is this little jar of oil. Don't discount God's ability to multiply something. I want to say this too. Many people, they want more of God, and he wants to give it. But the issue I want you to understand is never on his end, it's on our end. It's never on his end, it's on our end. The issue or hindrance of getting more of God is on us. Well, I want more of God. Does he have more of you? Oftentimes, it's not the absence of him that's the issue, it's the absence of you. Well, I really, I really want breakthrough. Well, do you live like in a Sunday-only morning Christianity type of relationship? Because this is supposed to be a daily thing. You have access to the God of the universe every day. Well, I really want God to, I really want more of God. How often are you making that heart cry? Just on Sunday morning? Just in a prayer line? Just at Miss Hetty Lou's conference? Or is it an everyday thing? God, I want more of you. I want more of you. I want more of you. Okay, well, then he comes and says, well, I need you to lay down. I need you to turn that screen off. I need you to get up an hour earlier. And see, he's not our genie. Exchange always comes, the, the intimacy, there's an exchange, there's a cost for it. The, the issue of more of God is that he doesn't have more of us. When we give him all that we have, he can't help but pour out himself. He can't help but give us more. So the issue is never on our end, it's always on, it's never on his end, it's always on our end. Okay, you go to verses three and four, she's obedient. She goes, or, or he says, go get all the jars right? And listen, you think like this, this lady's lost her mind. She has lost her ever loving mind. Okay. You think about you being a neighbor with this lady, they would have lived in pretty tight community. They would have known each other. There would have been a lot of fence talk, right? I just kind of wave at my neighbors. I don't have like a long conversation with them. Sometimes we don't even know our neighbor's names. 
they would have known what this lady was going through. Her husband's dead. They're about to take her sons as slaves. And now she's coming and asking for all of my pots and pans. What? Right? Yeah, pots and pans. Oh, you know, we're in the middle of potty training right now too. So like, you, you want this porta potty You want this uh, little kid potty? It's empty? I thought that was funny. You didn't think it was funny? <laughs> no pity laughs. Hey, quit it. She's lost her mind. She's coming and getting all of her empty jars. What in the world? What is she doing? She's got her boys out there going to get all of them too. She's lost her mind. Listen, this lady, she was not worried about winning the popularity contest. She wasn't worried about being, she wasn't worried about looking normal to her neighbors. I think oftentimes churches get caught up in, I want to be relevant to the neighbors. I want to be relevant to the community. I want to be relevant to the world. Listen, the only man I'm concerned about being relevant to is the man who holds the keys to my breakthrough. And it's not my neighbor. It's not my community. It's not the guys that I work with. Well, they might think I'm weird if I talk about Jesus or if I ask if I can pray for them. If I want to, good. Welcome to following Jesus. You are a peculiar people. Congratulations, you've graduated into weirdom. I'm not trying to win the popularity contest. I'm not, God didn't call me to win friends and influence people. God bless you if you like that book. That's awesome. He didn't call me to win friends and influence people. He called me to turn cities upside down. He called me to turn hell's agenda inside out. And if you want to win friends and influence people, you have a great time affirming people's sin. But Jesus calls us to look people in the eye and say, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And then you watch people scatter like flies. If you want to follow Jesus, you got to go up that hill and you got to die. Is there resurrection life? Absolutely there is. After your old man dies. And people don't want to hang on to the old man. When you tell them you got to crucify the old man, you start calling out people's dysfunction and insecurity. We'll see how influential you are. I'm called to turn hell's agenda inside out, not win a popularity contest. So if people think I'm weird, that's totally fine. Well, like, you know, you, you can't talk about the Holy Spirit too much because people come in and they may not have gone, they, they may not have gone to a, a church like you did growing up. That's okay. You might have gone to a Baptist church your whole life. One thing I like Baptist church is the Baptist is in the name. Get baptized. I'm going to go, after watching that video, I'm going to go dunk myself. Ask the Holy Spirit, come baptize me today. God bless you if that's the environment that you grew up in. That's totally fine, but I'm not going to shy away from what Scripture teaches because you might think I'm weird. Well, we don't want to, you know, and that, I think a lot of times like the, a lot of churches get caught up and it's like, well, we don't want to say things that, that weird people out. I'm not worried about what they think about me. I'm worried about what they feel because they may come in and think, wow, y'all are weird, but they might leave healed. And if they leave and get offended, they know where to come back to when they need healing. They'll come back to the people that talk in funny languages because they actually believe in healing. Got quiet. I'm just not interested in, like, I'm not interested in avoiding things in this because this is the word of God and this is how he says that it's possible. And I've seen too much to go back to being normal. And if you want to be normal, you can sit there and you can look at me like I'm crazy with your arms crossed and like you're mad at me. And I know you may not like me very much. It's okay. I may not like you very much either. God didn't call me to be your bestie. He didn't call me and Tim and Paul to be your besties. He called us to be your pastors. He called us to be shepherds, not win the popularity contest. Clearly, you can look around in this room and, and, and notice that our church has not been going after winning the popularity contest. Why? Because we stand on the word. And it causes people who want to be mediocre. It causes people who want to be normal. It causes people who want to stay in their dysfunction and sin to scatter. And that's okay. They'll come back. It's not my job to save the world. It's the Holy Spirit's job. My job is to preach his word. My job is to cast out demons. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. And I'm not going to back down from that. I'm not going to lower my standards because I didn't see it today. I'm going to raise them until I see it. I'm going to keep going because I know that he moves from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. 
I said this in first service, and I want to say this to Miss Hetty Lou. I, for some reason, I keep coming back to Elijah and Elisha. I, I preached on digging ditches a while back, and, and uh, one thing that kept, kept the Lord's been working on the, with these two guys, and, and Elisha, got the, he got a double portion. And I really believe that, that God is going to give this ministry a double portion. Absolutely. And I, I believe that the next 50 years is going to be a double portion of what the first 50 years were. Because this year we're celebrating 50 years of ministry. And I believe that 50 years from now, people are going to come in this building, this same building, they're going to come in and say, when did this start? And we're going to be able to say, back in 2023, a movement started, a move of the Spirit of God. Because a people brought their jars in and they made themselves available. And they stopped caring about what their coworkers thought. Come on. And they stopped caring about... They stopped caring about what their families thought and they stopped caring about whether their churches thought. Here's the key. She goes in and shuts the door. She goes in and shuts the door. Outpouring happens in the secret place. Outpouring happens in the secret place. So that she, gets, she goes in and shuts the door. She begins pouring this little jar and God supernaturally makes it fill up all of these jars. When does it stop? When they run out of jars. When they run out of jars. But I want, the first thing I want you to see is that it, it's in the secret place that breakthrough happens. It's when you go in and you shut the door and you say, God, I'm here, pour out your oil. God, I'm here, pour out your oil. God, I'm here, where it no longer is a Sunday morning only thing where it's every day I get to live in communion with him. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to attend church on Sunday mornings and be a fan of the guy on the stage that's had an encounter. He died on the cross to give every person in this room an encounter. He died on the, there's enough oil. There's enough to go around. And listen, uh, the parable of the 10 virgins, I can't share my oil with you. I wish I could, but I can't. You've got to go in the secret place and get your own oil. He set this up so that, because he's so jealous for us, he loves us so much that we don't stay full. We keep that little flask, we keep that little flame, but he's so jealous for us that he would ask us to come in and pay the price that he can continue to pour in and continue to pour in and continue to pour in. And so I want to challenge you. You're not, God didn't create you to be filled up and poured out and filled up and poured out and filled up and poured out. He created you to constantly be poured into until you begin to run everywhere. Rivers of living water, not a lake, not halfway full. I notice, listen, I notice, when, when my anxiety cranks up, when I start feeling sad, when I start, when I start feeling these like, oh, so-and-so won't talk to me, and so-and-so won't be my friend, and so-and-so whatever, and so, and, and what, or I start feeling temptation, and I start letting my eyes wander, all those things. Do you know what all is a consequence of that all comes back to? I haven't been in the secret place. Because if I go in the secret place and I shut the door, I come out and I don't care who likes me. I know I'm approved by him. And that's amazing. Come on. That's amazing. He wants to pour that oil out. He wants to live under that waterfall. Live under that waterfall. Well, I tried that. No, you didn't. How long did you try it for? A week? A month? Go in and shut the door. Listen, some of you don't have little ones anymore, and you can spend a lot of time with him. You can spend a lot of time with him. God wants to fill you up so that you can go out and you can make him best with your oil everywhere. There's an anointing not just for me, not just for Paul, not just for Tim, not just for Hetty. There's an anointing for every single person, and the anointing breaks the yoke. And so when you're on the golf course, you can break the yoke of your buddy that you're playing with. When you're with your family, you can walk in such a supernatural manifestation of God that they come under the fear of the Lord and they begin to repent of their sins. Come on, you can have such an anointing that you walk into restaurants and tears fill your waitress's eyes. I don't know why I feel this way about it. I do. It's because there's a spirit inside of me and he wants to get on the inside of you. See, the, the spirit is in us for us, but he wants to get out of us and touch the world. Well, how do you do that? You go into the secret place and you shut the door because what we do in secret, God will honor in public. This, this is a type and shadow of circumcision. You know you're here sermon about circumcision. It's weird. Why did God circumcise his people in a place that was not going to be seen? Because he marks a people in secret and he honors them in public. 
It was a type and shadow of what happens in the secret place. We go in there, he burns us with this all-consuming fire, he sets us apart, and then we go out in public and he begins to honor us without us even aiming at it. If, if a people will go in and shut the door, they'll walk out and they'll change the world without even aiming at changing the world. It will just begin to happen. It will be a natural part of your life. So don't aim at changing the world. Aim at being relevant to him. Aim at being full of his oil. So Ephesians 5.18. This is one of my favorite passages. Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why does he compare it to being drunk? Because you only stay drunk if you keep drinking. You only stay filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost if you stay in the secret place and you allow him to fill you up. Where's your secret place? Is it in your closet? Is it in your room? Is it in your car? Driving to work? Man, I feel a fear of the Lord. I feel this fire right now. Is it driving to and from work? Is it in your front yard? Man, yesterday I was walking around my house. I wasn't walking around my house, I was cleaning. I was sweeping and mopping and I was praying in the spirit and I had worship videos playing and I just felt the fear of the Lord. And I just felt him filling me up. And I just, as I was going about my day, I was just experiencing him. I was just encountering him supernaturally. Even right now I feel the hair on my arms stand up and on the back of my neck and I feel it on my head. Man, when I go in to my office in the mornings, the way that I read the word, I, I don't do the one year Bible plan. It's, it's cool if you do, whatever works for you. Um, I've got a plan that I call my 222 plan where I do two, chap, two Psalms, two Proverbs, two Old Testament, two Gospels and two Epistles. That's what I try to read every single day. I don't do, I don't do it every day. I'm not perfect like some of y'all are. But I, my goal is to do it every single day. And when I go in and when I open up the word, before I read a word, I ask Jesus to come in the room. And I ask him to reveal this word to me because I don't want to just memorize things about him. I want to know him and I want to encounter him. And as I begin to pray that, I feel his spirit come in and I feel him begin to pour into me and I feel like my heart begins to race and my temperature begins to rise. And he uses the natural things oftentimes to cause me to experience him. And it's love. It's like liquid love being poured out. That's what it feels like. And then I begin to read his word and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is amazing. And he gets better and better and better and better and better. It never goes backwards. The only reason it would ever go backwards is because of my inconsistency and my unfaithfulness, not his. He is faithful. Are you with me? Come on. I love verses five through seven. She goes in with her sons and I wanna challenge all the families in here. This is a family affair. And I'm challenging myself too. My kids need to see me worshiping more. They need to see me on my knees more. They need to hear me pray more. There was a while where I used to could say, my, my kids hear me pray in tongues and they hear me talk normal, but I can't say that as of recently, but I wanna get back to it. Every single day on the way to school, we start talking and if we're pulling in the parking lot, they, 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 they remind me, daddy, we haven't prayed yet. We gotta pray before we go to school. They fight over who gets to pray at the dinner table. It's a family affair, man. It's a family affair. And then I wish the lady would have thought about somebody besides her own situation. Because I think that's how oftentimes we look at it. Because at the end of the story, Elisha says, now pay off your debt. And then you and your sons can live off of what's left over. And I don't want my kids to live on leftovers. Once I went in and shut the door and realized that oil wasn't stopping, I would have been sending them, go get more jars. We're never going to stop this flow. Go get more. See, often, many of us, we just want, we want enough Jesus to take care of our alcohol problem. We want enough Jesus to fix our porn problem. We want enough Jesus to fix our marriage. We want enough Jesus to fix our finances. We want enough Jesus to fix fill in the blank. But his goal isn't enough just to fix you. His goal is enough in you that you can fix the whole nation. What if she thought about somebody besides her and her kids? She could have paid off the debts of the entire neighborhood. See, many of us, even with our finances, we're so conscious to get out of debt. There are people living under bridges that don't have debt. See, God calls the believer not to be a borrower, but to be a lender. 
What if we thought about somebody else's alcohol problem besides ours? And listen, it's a family affair. Fathers, listen to me. It's a family affair. And we cannot expect, we can't expect to go in and worship at one altar that is not of the Lord and go in and lay our hands on our kids and expect them to receive an impartation. It's a family affair, dads. What we do in secret is the God that we worship. It's a family affair. And I don't want my kids to left on, live on leftovers. Proverbs says that, it, that the wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And that's not just not talking about money. I want to leave a spiritual inheritance for my children's children. I want to think about more people than me. See, many of us don't, we don't see God move because we don't walk around aware of him constantly. We don't live in communion with him and realize that everywhere you go, he wants to use you. He wants to, sh he wants to literally shine through you. You got to get your oil. You got to get your oil. What do you have? Uh, worship team, y'all come join me. I can't preach this and not, and not do a response. And I know it's like, oh, Josh is preaching again. It's going to go long. You've already disqualified yourself. God, God bless you. <laughs> but if that's, your, if that's our thoughts of when we gather, it's like, oh, we've got to get to the pot roast. The pot roast is going to be there. Get a crock pot with a timer on it. I don't know what to tell you. Get an oven that turns off automatically. And listen, I, if you're going out to eat after this, I hope you hit the sweet spot because all the Baptist people are there right now. And at 2 o'clock, listen, at 2 o'clock, all the Pentecostal people will roll in. I'm not going to keep you till 2. I'll let you roll in right before then. I'm, help, I'm helping you. That's what I'm doing. So you don't have to sit there mad on the border waiting for They told me it would be a 30-minute wait, and we're coming up on minute 32. And you're seething. You'll come right in. There won't be any wait because you'll hit the sweet spot. There's more. There's always more of him. He moves us from glory to glory to glory to glory. You think, you know, you think you've tasted joy? Get ready. You think you've tasted peace? Get ready. You think you've found freedom? Get ready. Well, I used, I, you know, my, my Christian walk has kind of been up and down and up and down and up and down. And, I, you know, I used to feel that way, but I don't necessarily feel that way anymore. And like, oh, yeah, like I know God. No, yeah, I know church is important. No, yeah, like I get it. Yeah, I know secret place, Devo time. Oh, yeah, I get, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. He gets better. The biggest fear that I have in my life is that I won't have more of him five years from now. And that wouldn't be because of him. It would be because of me. My biggest fear is that I wouldn't be burning brighter. Miss Hetty, are you burning brighter today than you were at 52? Yes. Come on. 40 years of women's seminar and she hadn't slowed down. Goodness gracious. Why? Not because of her power, but it's the power of God on the inside of her. And it's because this lady, I've got a book in my office called The Secret Place that a guy wrote named Kevin Kinchin, and he's got a whole chapter called What is a Hetty? Because he met Hetty Lou, and he said, what's the secret? And she said, it's the secret place. How do you walk in so much joy? How do you walk in so much health? How do you walk in so much blessing? How do you walk in so much prosperity? How come your family is so happy all the time? And it's like, it's Jesus, man. It's just Jesus. And if you may think that you can't experience good stuff until you die, but I want to tell you last night we were on the couch and what movie, we were moving, watching a movie about a kid going to be a king or something. I don't know what, something. It was wild. It was cool. <laughs> we were laying there with all four of our kiddos and you know what it felt like? Heaven. It felt like heaven. We were laying in bed last night and Sarah said, I really, I can't believe that, that life is this amazing. Heaven, man. Does that mean that bad things don't happen? No. But that means that I get to live in the kingdom. And even when bad things happen, I still get him. I still get to experience him. I still get to encounter his love and his joy and his peace. Stand with me. There's oil that's coming. There's oil that's coming in this place. There's oil that's coming in this place. And I want to challenge you. 
I want to challenge you when we leave here today, get in your secret place. He wants to encounter you more than you want to encounter him. Well, yeah, I haven't, but I haven't been in a while. He's not upset. He's not mad. He's not frustrated. When he comes in, he's excited. When I haven't seen my kids all day at work, I'm so pumped when I get to come in and see them. And they run towards me with their arms open. I'm so excited that I get to see them. One thing I always try to do is greet them with hugs and kisses and ask them how their day went. That's how God wants to greet us. He doesn't come, he's not going to say, well, Jason, I'm glad to see you here. It's been a few weeks, man. That's not how he treats us. He's excited. When you come, well, I blew it last night. Open arms he's got and kisses. He ain't even interested in listening to your comeback story. It's the goodness of God that leadeth men into repentance. And because of the blood of Jesus, you can go straight into his throne room. You are loved. Not based on what you've done, based on what he did. And just as Jesus is now, so are we in this world. Where is he now? Seated in the right hand next to the Father. So are you. And nothing can separate you from this great love of God. Yay. That's it. I know I look like a fool and I feel like a fool, but it's like, oh my gosh, are you serious? He's so good. And he just gets better. He just gets better. So they're going to sing this song and we're going to join them. And here's what I would ask, that we would have the heart of David that says, search my heart, O God. What can I lay down? What can I give to you? Here's my small jar. Here's my small finances. Here's my pride. Here's my ambition. And just like he turned water into wine, do you know what he's going to do in this place? Stay with me. He's going to turn anxiety into joy. He's going to turn depression into peace. He's going to turn sin into freedom. He's going to turn fear into love. He's going to turn you from water into wine. So let's sing this with him. Jesus, have it all. Come on, let's join with him. Do we have the words? Yes. Okay, sweet. Jesus, have my heart, my soul, my will. Jesus, have my hopes, my dreams, my world. With joy I lay it down, with joy I cast my crown, Jesus have it all. To you I bring my praise, my lips, my song, a living sacrifice as one reborn. Your life is now my own, your will is what I Jesus have it all Jesus have it all Jesus have it all To you belong the glory The praise of all the world Jesus have it all Jesus have it all All blessing and honor our majesty and all, oh Jesus, have it all. So Jesus, have your church, your love, your pride, the joy for which you truly gave your life, radiant in white, washed and purified. Jesus, have. Jesus, have your worth, your due, your son, the praise of every nation, tribe, and tongue, that all that has been made, glorify your name, Jesus, have it all. Jesus, have it all, Jesus, have it all. Belongs the glory and praise of all the world. 
Jesus have it all Jesus have it all A blessing and honor A majesty and all Jesus have it all Jesus have it all To you belongs the glory Praise of all the world Jesus have it all Jesus have it all, all blessing and honor, all majesty and all. Jesus have it all. You can have it all. Jesus have it all. You can have it all. If you need to respond, come on. If you need to find the altar, find the front, come on. There's oil. Last day of the festival, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are thirsty, and I will give them a drink. I will refresh them. I will give you rivers of living water. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, and I will give you rest. Come on, if you need to respond, respond. Step out in faith. Well, I'm not feeling anything. Step out. Step out. Come on. He wants to baptize some people in here today. He wants to refresh some people in here today. Give it all to Him. Cast your cares and your worries and your anxiety on the altar. If you want to feel the fire, lay down. He sends the fire after the sacrifice has been presented. He sends the fire after the sacrifice is laid on the altar. Come on, and if you need to respond, if you need to respond, do it. Come on, sing this out. Cry this out. Have it all, Lord. All my days. Every moment. Every ambition. Every dream. Every dollar. Every second. Every moment. Have it all. We'll waste it all on you, Lord. We'll waste it all on you, Lord. Pour it out. All my oil is for you. Pour it out. Pour it out.
Come on, just put it on your lips. Let it move across the room. Have it all. Put it on your lips. Jesus, have it all. Jesus, we give it all to you. Search me, oh God. Search me, Lord. Any way I have offended you, God. Take it all. Come, Jesus. We need you to come. Yes, Lord.
corporate gathering should always prod you to your individual relationship with him. It should reinforce your individual relationship with him. And here my goal is I always want to, I want to stir up fascination for you for who God is so much so that you would forget that I'm up here. I want to stir up that fascination that would lead you into an intimate relationship with him, an intimate encounter with him. And so the, the encounter never has to be over. It can carry over into your day-to-day -day life. And you don't have to wait till next Sunday to feel this again. You can experience it tomorrow and Tuesday and even Wednesday. And then maybe you might come to church Wednesday night and then Thursday and Friday and Saturday and then next Sunday. And, that, and listen, that personal prayer time will actually fuel the corporate gathering. It's like throwing logs on each other's fires. I want to throw a log on your fire and then when you come back, you're going to throw a log on this corporate gathering is what it's going to do. And God will continue to take us from glory to glory to glory to glory. And he'll get better and better and better and better. Luke 11. I want you to study this and read this this week. Luke 11 says, ask and you will seek and you'll knock and some of you read your Bibles. Right after that, he says, so you, if your son asks you for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Of course not. So you then being sinful people, evil people, how much more will your heavenly father give, not whatever you want, how much more will he give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Well, I haven't received the Holy Spirit. I don't feel the Holy Spirit. I don't see the... Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and He'll open the door. How much more will He give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And remember, that's not a one-time thing. We don't drink one time. You don't eat lunch once a week. We eat every day. Give us today our daily bread. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that proceedeth from the mount of God. Come on. He's good. So I bless you with that. Open up your hands like you're receiving a big box, a big gift. God, I thank you so much for these people. I thank you so much for this church. I thank you so much for this ministry. Lord, I ask for an increase of your presence in their life. Even if they don't want it, God, have a sovereign move in their life. Increase it, Lord. Even if they don't want you, I ask that you would stir up a want to want you, Lord. A deep desire in their hearts to see you to know you, to walk hand in hand with you, to walk in the cool of the day in the garden again, to enter into that relationship that has been restored by your blood, God. We worship you. We honor you. We thank you for what you're doing in us. We thank you for what you're going to do through this ministry, Lord. We thank you for this time. We ask that it would mark us forever. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. God bless you, church. We will see you Wednesday night.